So at this time again, I'd like to offer some initially reflections and then particular instructions and guidance with the meditation. And we can just notice how we're attending as we begin to just uh, orient to the possibility of receiving instruction. You can notice if we tend to sort of go into thinking about or a sort of a more cerebral intellectual orientation, listening kind of more with our heads to get more information or accumulate more knowledge or finally be the recipient of exactly the right way to do it, which is sometimes the way we tend to think. I had a salutary lesson in instructions um, when I was at school and I was quite a keen and I guess one would say reasonably bright student. Um, and we were given a test on how well we could follow instructions. There, were, there was a page, or several pages in fact, that said there are 100 instructions, you have 45 minutes. Please read the entire paper and all the instructions before you begin. Number one. Number one read. Pull out your chair, stand on top of your desk, say your name, sit down. Instruction two read, I can't remember how it went, but it was all these things you had to do. And I, of course, read the first one and started doing it, as did approximately 90% of our class. Two or three people didn't. At some point, some of us started to wonder what was happening. But anyone who read right through to the end of the paper saw that the last instruction said, ignore all of these instructions above, get out your book and start reading. And uh, it's interesting how quickly we move into that mode of doing it and trying to get there. And we've only got one retreat. It's just nine days. I mean, we better hurry up. Sometimes we're like that. And sometimes it feels like there's a hundred instructions here. Yeah? In the end, there's only one instruction. And the simple version is, be here as fully, as wholly, and as openly as you are able to be. And see what you might discover in this. Be interested and open to discovering whatever this might have to offer or to reveal. And everything else is, in a way, details about how we might usefully do that. We're engaged in a practice that, when the Buddha spoke of it, he often used the term samatha vipassana. Not just vipassana, or just samatha, but samatha vipassana. Calm, tranquility we could say, but calm, collectedness, samatha. And vipassana, clear seeing, penetrative comprehension or understandings, looking into experience. And these are things to be cultivated. Samatha Vipassana. In the way we've offered the instruction on this retreat, as you might, for some of you who've been on retreats before, you might have noticed less emphasis on technical orientation towards particular and specific experiences and more an 
invitation to a way of attending and certain attitudes that are supportive and recognizing habitual attitudes that are not supportive of this deepening presence, intimacy, openness and related or relational engagement with our moment-to-moment experience. So we've used the body, not so much emphasis on the breathing in a way that a number of you have commented on in the groups and probably some of you will have reflected on why are we doing it like this. There's a sense of breadth, of width, of broadness, a sense of finding a more stable base that comes when we don't narrow the focus too quickly. Using the body, the whole body. And the sense of our body, as Catherine was speaking last night, it's actually a bit wider even than the physicality. And that gesture that uh, emerged in the Dharma talk last night a few times with the arms wide. It's like letting our base be that wide. Some of you can't even see what I'm doing, I'm guessing, because you're unless you've developed some extra sensory perception. But you might like to look and see. This is, this is one of those instructions tests. Um, you don't have to pass, however, that's up to you. That sense of breadth and width that we're establishing and have been establishing. What we notice when we practice in this way, at least for many of us, is that it's hard to be so habitual. Because there's... And there's something really useful and liberating, particularly if we're an experienced practitioner, well-trained in our meditative skills and habits, some of which will be really useful, and some of which will make it hard for us to see the ways in which we're replicating our life history and our predominant patternings. So it's beneficial to have something less familiar, although it might feel a little scary. It's interesting, a lot of the really beneficial things that happened on the first retreat we ever did were because we didn't have a clue what we were doing and how to do it. And there's something useful in going back to that condition to a certain degree through practicing in a way that's not so familiar. At least maybe to some of us. It's very useful. There's less to do. That's challenging. That's hard for us. We want to do something that we can measure our results from because we use it to measure ourselves, as Catherine was, again was speaking last night. The outcome of your meditation is no measurement of who or what you truly are. It's simply what's happening. Influenced, of course, by our practice and engagement but the outcome is not determined simply by the conditions we, or qualities and intentions we bring. Many other things bear upon it. We have an influence, but we do not control the outcome. So, this morning, my invitation and instruction will be to start to use a more intentional orienting towards focus and precision with your attention in the body using the breathing 
within the body, starting to, in a way we could say, highlight or pick out the specifics and particularities of the way the bodily experience arises and manifests in the form of the rhythmic in-breathing and out-breathing process that takes place throughout the duration of our life. This breath, this breathing, that journeys with us and we with it together for whatever the span of years we are here in this form. To do so, and I'll give some instruction for that, but I'm just laying it out a little, to do so in a way that we don't lose the sense of breadth. So breath and breadth are not somehow in conflict. We've been establishing more breadth and presence because it's something resilient, portable, sustainable, less dependent on particular conditions. And yet, in that breadth, we're not wishing to neglect precision, focus, and the training of the heart and mind's ability, the developing of our natural capacity to attend in a very full and precise way to a chosen particularity within our experience. And within that sense of breadth, and just noticing again as you're listening to these instructions, that it's possible to be quite fully in one's body with a good proportion, maybe three quarters of one's attention can be in the body, feeling the body, sitting here, and yet remarkably and very usefully our hearing faculty works perfectly well and we're totally able to comprehend what's being said at least so far as it makes sense, which isn't guaranteed, but is certainly at this moment my wish and intention. But so far as it makes sense, we can comprehend it while our attention remains quite rooted in the body, while our consciousness is quite steeped in the physicality, in that, that sort of earthy, substantial locatedness that is here, that is now, that our body is a, a primary referent or reference point for us to connect with. And within that sounds come and go. They are not somehow obstacles, certainly not distractions, unless we choose to believe some idea arising in our mind that that shouldn't be happening. You know that old expression that says dirt is simply matter in the wrong place? It's not dirt when it's in the field. It's just soil. In fact, we need that stuff in the field to grow food and trees, to live. When it appears on our clothes or on our nice upholstery of our armchair, we don't like it. The idea that it's in the wrong place is just an idea. Any experience that arises is not in the wrong place. But we may not yet understand how to handle it in the way it's arising. So with sound, just to notice, they arise and pass. 
because they do. When they arise in our experience here, we can see they create a ripple. Sometimes we like them, we enjoy them, we're drawn towards them. Oh, it's quite musical. If you hear a songbird while meditating, I've never heard someone report that a songbird distracted at them and that they couldn't meditate. It just doesn't happen. But when some clunky heating system goes, somehow we think that's a problem. It's just an unpleasant sound. Actually, if you think about what it would be like in here if that wasn't working, we might realize it's kind of a nice sound because it means that we're both warm and we have fresh air. That's the trade-off. We can take away the sound, but it's either going to be very hot and stuffy or kind of cold. We made this choice. It's not a perfect one. But it's not a problem. Seeing the way the mind picks up experience and makes problems, believing it shouldn't be so. We can begin to settle back into that broader basis, that wider framework of just what's here unfolding, arising, playing out, being known, inhabited, comprehended, not through intellectual analysis, but through the the fullness of knowing that arises in the embodied inhabiting of the experience. Likewise, the arising of pleasure or pain in our bodies directly. Sometimes we need to give a little attention to the experience, not shying away from the unpleasant or the pleasant, Noticing how that is, with it, where it's difficult or maybe what we call painful sometimes, the tendency to contract, very strong sometimes. Useful if we can, just become aware of the tendency to contract or tighten and see if we can, with the out-breath, invite some sense of softening or release of the contraction, not trying to make the pain go away. But noticing, oh, pain, it's sensations. They arise, they change, they move. They may be a signal that some attention and response is needed. But many of them are not this. They're simply sensations. The tickle, itchy nose, wish to sort of slightly wiggle one's pelvis because there's a bit of a firmness under the left um, pelvic bone or a little tightness in the, um, the shoulder on the right. Just see if we can feel the experience that's there that might be unpleasant, that's prompting this response. So we're starting to support a quality of steadiness, a stilling of the body. That doesn't make stillness an absolute value because in fact the body is breathing and that is movement. So the idea that we're sitting here still, unless we're made of uh, a large chunk of metal like the Buddha Rupa, put a form, statue here, or we're dead, we're going to be moving. It's part of being alive. And the blood is coursing through our veins just as the breath is moving in our body. The cells are pulsing. Movement is taking place within a framework of stability. And there may be times when actually the signals and information that pain is giving us are saying, actually that's enough for this body for now. And we might need to make an adjustment or change to our posture. Some might find it useful to alternate between 
chairs or benches, or to stand up at some point in the sitting. The practice is the quality of our willingness to be fully and wholeheartedly present, to awake, to be awake and to reawaken again and again into what's happening with openness, with interest, with a willingness to be touched and a and an openness to deepening understanding, knowing we do not yet know all there is to know about this. So even as we change our posture, if we need to, adjust it. Staying really with that, it's part of the meditation. It's not somehow that we've failed or that we've stopped meditating briefly and then we'll start again once we're in the new posture. No, let the practice flow through the forms and shapes. And if wisdom and compassion suggests a change to the posture, make that a mindful, gentle, sensitive transition. And continue your practice through this. If you find at times strong or challenging patterns of emotion, with stories and images and maybe intensity in the body arising, or patterns of sticky, compelling, perhaps repetitive or um, sort of entrancing thinking that we can't disengage from easily. What can be often very useful is to come into the body and just notice what does this feel like in my body right now? Where am I experiencing? Can I meet it at the bodily level, stepping out of the story, maybe recognizing the basic flavor of what's happening, but stepping out of the story and just noticing, oh, it's, it's like this. I feel it here. If it's really intense, if it feels more than we can allow or easily feel able to feel in the body, make your attention wider. Don't focus in on it. Maybe focus around it. Let the attention softly wrap around the perimeter or the periphery of the region in which we're experiencing it. So we're not putting pressure on the experience by trying to go into it. We're absolutely not trying to be with it so it will, get so it will go away. As Ram Das once said, you can't be with it in order for it to go away because it knows. Of course, it's not something else. And being with it for it to go away is just aversion. So learn, learning to let it be. And then perhaps bringing the focus maybe more again to the ground where your body rests on the seat or the cushion or the bench. Feet or knees touch the floor, the mat. And again, settling into the movement and rhythm of the breathing. So for those who who haven't uh, oriented this way already, and we're just transitioning, it's not just one and then the other, but moving more into the primarily meditative orientation. Just feeling the weight of your body pressing into the earth. Allowing the eyes to close, unless you're drowsy. Or feeling the need for a little space from 
something perhaps more intense arising within. It's fine to have the eyes open if that's supportive and not generating distractive, reactive thinking in itself. Feeling the sense of the uprightness of your body, the intentionality that expresses. Relaxing around that core of upright, intentional structure so the body can soften and be released just so far as we're able to the gentle holding of gravity. Allowing the shoulders to be soft, the chest open, and the belly released to hang out so far as it might wish to, not holding it back. Feeling the breadth and stability of this organic mass, this particular living system resting as it is upon the earth, a much vaster living system of which this particular system is inextricably a part. And within this broad and stable living system, just beginning to pick out and orient towards the rhythm and flow of sensations that ripple that move, that touch or tickle in whatever way you might experience them as this body breathes in, as this body breathes out. And if it's important or necessary for you because of the intensity of what might be felt through the core of the body, sometimes it's helpful to keep the attention wide just around the periphery of the body with the breathing. And seeing that quality of particularity and focus is available, we can notice this breathing experience taking place quite organically, just as it does. Without abandoning the field, of this whole body. So we let the breathing be the object. And at the same time, the breathing, of course, is a field itself of changing fluid experience and sensation. Within the larger field of this body, this physical structure, organic life, and that within the larger field of this world and beyond, the vastness of life itself. Just breathing life, intimately knowing and experiencing itself, ourself, moment by moment, 
just this. And letting this be the the framework for your attentiveness and presence in the sitting meditation. This body sitting here breathing, just as it is. Other experiences arising and moving through the space, the sounds and the silence, the bodily experience of what is pleasurable, painful and neutral, all included. And whatever else might come, equally leaving space for this, things arising just as they do and passing likewise. Just as every breath comes and goes. Wakeful, sensitive, and so far as we can be, wholeheartedly present right here. Just as you are.
for the last one or two minutes of this meditation period. Just continuing to attune this attentive faculty of wakefulness to the experience of your body sitting here, breathing. And at the same time opening to hearing the field of sound. Vehicle in the distance. Sound of a body sneezing. This voice. Noticing that hearing has both a breadth and a particularity. When we listen, there's both the sound and the silence from which the sound emerges, within which the sound is enfolded, and into which the sound returns. The broad field of silence is the framework within which the sound is the particularity. And the silence is not obscured by the sound. In fact, it is revealed through it. Without the sound, we could not, we could not know the silence. Without the silence, we would not hear the sound. And when the bell sounds, just listening as that sound arises, sustains and then fades away. And only when the sound has faded into the silence, taking that as the marker for the ending of the formal meditation period, staying with the listening and the sound as it fades into the silence, in contact with our bodies as we listen, embodied receptivity, human being, sitting here, breathing, listening.
So I just have a couple of brief practical things to mention before I'll hand over to Catherine for the walking instructions. I think I've mentioned already the uh, what we could call the practice of engaging in note writing and sometimes it's really important to communicate something. There's a really significant or real practical need or concern and it's absolutely fine to let us know, teachers or staff, about such things. And sometimes it's a way we just somehow find a way to engage that might not always serve us. So I invite you to pause and just check when drawn to the pen and the paper, what's going on here? Not assuming there's anything other than something entirely appropriate, but just taking a moment to pause and check and see. Some of the notes we will respond to because we can. Some of them we won't because we just can't. And that's going to be generally the case if your name isn't on it, for obvious reasons perhaps. And sometimes, and I'll apologize in advance if this is the case, because there can be quite a few of those little bits of paper floating around. Uh, They might not uh, quite stay as organized as we would wish and it might take a little while or occasionally it might not even happen at all. If it's really important and you didn't hear back from us, it's okay to just check in a day or two back in. Did you get that note? But for the most part, we did get your note and uh, we will respond. If you're in any way not well here, in terms of physical health, illness, then two requests. One, if you're coughing or sneezing so far as you can into your shoulder, elbow, arm, sleeve, anywhere that's not your hand or the open air. If you have a tissue or handkerchief, fine. But if we cough into our hand or sneeze into our hand and then touch things like handles or cups or anything, things move around and we'd rather not be generous with that particular form of sharing here. It's one of the ways in which generosity isn't an absolute value either. But uh, actually sharing well-being by retaining, so far as we can, with in ourselves, in our own field, the, the various very small beings we might currently be hosting. And if you have a work task that involves handling food or dishes and you're not well, please let the staff know and they will... Uh, find some way for that not to be what you're doing. So for all of our well-being, that's a a wise thing to do. If you're not well, not handling food or um, or the the clean dishes. This afternoon in the sitting period following the standing at 2.15 there will be some loving kindness meditation, metta meditation, and I think if I'm correct, at three o'clock at Kinchno, you're going to conclude the process with um, those you didn't have a chance to see. Is that right or not? 3.45. Ah, okay. Sorry. Sorry, I got that wrong. It's actually after that sitting. Is that right? Okay, sorry, I couldn't remember. It's at the sitting after 3.45. Yeah. And just to let you know, in case any of you are wondering, because probably some of you have worked out that today is the 31st of December 2014, and that means that tonight is New Year's Eve, and all of what that means, don't worry. The first thing I want to let you know is that in New Zealand, where I come from, it's already happened. 
it's already New Year. And we here are going to, um, and there's nice pictures of things that have happened in New Zealand and Australia and China and Singapore where it's already happened. It's a kind of a fun idea. And we'll actually attend to that idea and what it might represent that might be meaningful this evening at about nine o'clock because that's what makes sense from where we are, it seems. So we will tell you a little more when we get there. You don't need to worry about it anymore until then. So that's it from me for now. Good morning. I have a couple of announcements. Um, we will put up some spaces for sign-up individual interviews um, with each of us, and we'll put those up during the lunch period sometime. So you are welcome to sign up if it's something that you are not able to bring to the group or didn't get to bring to the group that you feel would be important to look at together. Um, if you already requested one, that your name may be written up already. Check, check that. Um, so as we're in the third day and landing more, we want to support the settling and the silence and the stillness. So in the 10 o'clock sitting, those people who will be in groups at 9.15, if our groups aren't done, then within five minutes we will not come back to the hall so that you have a quiet sitting in here without people coming in and out at that time. And those people can sit elsewhere, walk, um, whatever they need. Um, and generally to support the silence and the stillness, please endeavour, and we will also endeavour, to arrive on time for the sitting um, as a general support. Hmm? Oh, yeah, and I was asking for a special dispensation. We might be late to the sitting uh, to come and ring the bell. <laughs> special privilege um, if we're meeting with people or in groups. So, yeah. I think that was my announcements. Oh, yeah. Yes, for the 11.30 sit, was it? So would... We will be in groups at the 11.30 sitting. Would any one of you like to sit at the front or be willing to sit at the front? Thank you for today. Okay, so just a couple of things about walking. Please continue <laughs> with it. Support that moving back from sitting to walking to sitting to walking to standing and there is something that is cultivated over time, so keep faith with that process. Um, one thing I like to sometimes remind myself of is giving myself the luxury in the walking that when I take a step, when my body takes a step, I invite myself to relinquish my weight back into the step, into the earth. Like each step can become a relinquishing of the way I might hold myself up or separate or busy. And just for that step, I return, I give myself back step by step.
And maybe one more thing. In letting the foot land, sometimes it's useful to consider two processes there. There's the applying of the intention and the, uh, and the mind to let the quality, the sensation, the weightiness, the footness come into awareness. Right? So there's the application of mind. And then there's the, what could be called, traditionally sometimes translated as sustaining the attention, can also be helpful to feel that in a visceral way. So fondling, lingering, massaging, staying with that. So we've landed, you know, you can have a moment of mindfulness and then off off we go again. Applying the attention and lingering lingering into that tempo of the sensate world. There's two offerings for you. Oh yeah, if the people in groups would like to leave first. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.